Boy, have we got a really, really cool Manipod podcast for you today. Oh yeah, and you know what? I'm sure everybody's gonna remember this. Give him the what? Are you kidding, Beaver? How could you fall for such stuff? There's no such thing as a voodoo curse. Hey, how come all of a sudden you're worried about me? Well, when I heard you are sick, I thought it was working. What was working? The voodoo curse I put on you. <laughs> you put a voodoo curse on me? You little dope. What did you do that for? Because I don't like you. <laughs> Nobody likes you, Eddie. Not even Wally, and he's your best friend. Yes, that's right. It's Leave it to Beaver with Jerry Mathers. And that's who our special guest is today. So stay tuned. This is awesome. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Larry. Welcome to Manipod, a podcast dedicated to men over 50. Brought to you by Manipods.com. Hi, welcome to Manipod, Manipods podcast. Today we have a very special, special guest. And I'm sure you recognize him already, but I'll just do a little intro. Do you remember seeing Leave It to the Beaver? We all watched it in the 50s and 60s, and we're still watching it today, and our kids and our grandchildren are watching it. It's a worldwide phenomenon of a show that has just transcended its time to 60-plus years. And so today our special guest is Jerry Mathers. Welcome, Jerry. So glad you could be part of this, and uh, glad to have you. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's great. So just to jump right in, tell us about, go back, how many years? 1957 is when you were cast in Leave it to the Beaver. And we'd love to know, and our audience would love to know, how did that happen? Well, it really wasn't anything that was a big deal to me, to be honest with you, because I've been working as an actor. I started actually on live TV at two years old. Um, I did movies before Leave it to Beaver with Bob Hope, Alan Ladd, did all sorts of live television and film television. So it wasn't like Leave it to Beaver was something that I just happened to be walking down the street and somebody said, that's the one. I went on a lot of interviews and did a lot of work before Leave it to Beaver. But because it's such a good show, it has the staying power. So people say, well, I didn't see those things. Well, most of those movies and other things, and a lot of it was live TV. And I worked a lot on live TV because if you were a little kid and you didn't make any mistakes, they always hired you back. Oh, that's great. That is so, great. So uh, I read uh, and, and saw in a couple other interviews where you really could care less about having gotten the role. You wanted to go to your Cub Scout meeting? Absolutely. I just joined the Cub Scouts and I think I had gone to maybe one meeting and they made a big deal of if you're going to be a Cub Scout, one of the things you have to do is be on time to the meetings. And so I came home from school that day. I was going to regular school and my mom said, oh, Jerry, we've got a, a there's a big audition. And I said, what do you mean audition? She said, well, we're going into the studio. And I said, no, 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 I can't go. And she said, what do you mean you can't go? <laughs> I said, well, I have a Cub Scout meeting today. Said, no, 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 no. She said, well, you know what? I'll call the, the Scout Master and it'll be fine. And when we got there, not only was it a huge interview, it was a gigantic interview. We didn't know it, but they were also casting for the Beaver, which had literally probably 60 to 80 kids on it. Uh, Wally, Eddie, all the gang. So we looked around and went, 
how can this be like a little interview? This is huge. We waited maybe an hour before we even got in there. Wow. And they, they, they were interviewing hundreds and hundreds of kids for your part. Very definitely. And all the parts. Well, we didn't know that too. It was all the parts. So we looked around and there's people that were, would be Tony's age, uh, Lumpy's age, you know, all the different characters. So you're looking around going, okay, there's some people here that look like my age, but then there are all these other people. What kind of a show is this? <laughs> wow. Well, you got the role, obviously, and it's pro- probably because you were a seasoned actor before. So um, they knew they had a sure thing with you. Uh, well, so they, that's, they could that's look awesome. at a lot of my work. I'd been I'd been a yeah. working actor. A lot of it vanished because it was live TV. I started on live TV when I was two years old, but I'd also done a lot of movies and a lot of other television things. So yes, I did have something I could fall back on and say, yes, I've worked and I've worked with Hitchcock. I've worked with Bob. I did two movies with Bob Hope. So I did a lot of things before Leave to Beaver, but it has the staying power. And people always say, oh, I never saw you in anything else. Well, I did a lot of work before it. So at that age, at that age, I mean, I can't even do it now. At that (laughs) age, how did you memorize your lines? Did your parents go over them with you? Did you have a dialogue coach? I mean, how how did that work? Well, actually, probably my best person to make me the beaver was my mother because she was the one that read me my lines because I was only six years old. And so I couldn't really just pick up a script and read it at the speed that they wanted it to. So my mother would read me the lines and I just memorized them. And, you know, somebody doesn't tell you it's hard. You don't know it's hard if you're a kid. So I just thought, oh, that's easy. I can do that. And I'd go in, they'd send the script on a Friday night, Saturday, she'd read it once or twice to me. Sunday, she'd read it once or twice to me. And we'd go in Monday and they did rehearsals. Monday and Tuesday, and then shot for three days. But those two days, I pretty much already had it memorized. Wow. Wow. And is it true that Tony Dow was not an actor, that he just showed up with a friend of his for another casting call for another show, and they picked him up? Is that true? Absolutely true. He was doing uh, – he never worked as an actor. He was an AAU swimming and diving champion, and there was a show that was – Uh, another series that was just starting it's kind of like Tarzan and they were looking for the part of boy and you know Tony when I was first growing up and working with him I was just you know in awe because he'd go to like a pool we'd go someplace go swimming he'd go up to the very high dive board do three flips and land in the water perfectly and I'm going I'm not doing that (laughs) I didn't realize that all kids couldn't do that that he is was you know a gymnast and a swimmer and diving champion Wow. Today, they wouldn't let him do that unless they took out a big insurance policy. But back then, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you know what? We had big insurance policies. Oh, really? Because, back then? Oh, yeah. Be- oh, wow. Absolutely. Because like, you know, like I got, I think it was, I think it was measles I got. And all of a sudden, the entire crew had, they had like two days work that they could do that I wasn't in. And then for the next like three weeks, all those guys were basically furloughed. So they had to not paid. They had, they wanted the same people back. They didn't want them to take other jobs. So they paid them. So there were huge insurance companies and they were mm-hmm. always sending people around to make sure that I was very healthy. <laughs> so uh, another interesting tidbit that I heard is that when the pilot went up to be uh, looked at and approved, there was somebody on the board that we all have heard of that was very famous who was instrumental in approving leave it to beaver. 
Uh, he was a general. Oh, Eisenhower, right? I think I think you mentioned that it was Douglas Mark. MacArthur was on the Douglas MacArthur. Well, the thing was that it was very popular um, with the military because I had done a lot of movies that showed overseas, and you know that's when they they do for recreation. So a lot of people in the military knew me. My dad was also um, he was a he retired as a superintendent of LA City Schools. But when he was doing that, he was working uh, with the Air Force. And so he knew a lot of people in the Air Force. And who negotiated? Because apparently you were also like the first kid to negotiate for a, a small piece of the action. Well, yes, that, that's what they say. But it, it was just something that the, the writers thought that the series was going to be very, very successful. And so when they first said, this is what we're going to pay you. And my dad went, you know, I was doing movies all the time then and a lot of television. He said, no, no, that's what he gets when he just goes out and does something for a day. Um, you know, so we're going to have to have more. So they, they, my father was a great, he was a vice principal and ended up superintendent at LA City Schools, but he was a great negotiator and he went in and got me a much better contract. Oh, that's great. You know, my wife knew your father. It's a strange story, but she was a teacher, special ed teacher at LA Unified School District, and she knew your dad. And when I told her that we were doing this interview, she said, oh, my God, tell him I knew his father. So yeah, I, know, I get so many of those because, you know, first he was a vice principal and then principal, but then he was a superintendent. So he knew just about everybody and he was very, very sociable. So mm -hmm. the nice part is everybody likes him because it wouldn't be anything worse than having them say, I hated him. You know, <laughs> I've even had kids come up when he was a when he was a vice principal. He was the one that if you did something a little out of the way, you had a choice. You could either have him call your parents or you could take a SWAT. And he was the one that was the official SWAT. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? At the end of the year, the, uh, I guess, whatever one, whoever made it, uh, the wood, I guess, wood class or whatever, would make a new paddle. And that paddle came home for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so um, let me, one let other thing. Oh, go, go ahead. One, one at a time, guys. Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to ask so eager. you. Yeah, so I was going to ask you a question about, you know, your public persona. Um, I mean, when you would go out into the public, uh, you must have been swamped with people. I mean, not really, because I'll tell you why. People don't really pay much attention to kids if they're just there. I mean, if I, sure, if I was going to an award show or all the different things that we used to do for PR, people always recognized me. But when I was just walking around with my mom and my sister and my, when I was doing Beaver, I guess it would be my one brother. I have other brothers now. But, uh, you know, people just don't notice you. They, they wouldn't think that that would be the Beaver. They're now, a lot of people, yes, they did recognize me and they'd wave and things like that. I just always wave back. I love doing this show, so it was, you know, just fun to be able to go out and see people and have them recognize you. Yeah. That's great. So, um, one of the things that, that I didn't really realize until I watched you on another interview, but thinking back now, uh, you know, I see that it's true. And that is what you said that what made the, this particular family show unique was that it was, it was sort of filmed and written from the perspective of a child looking at, uh, an, an adult world rather than just showing a kid. Everything was kind of through the child's eye. How did that feel doing it that way? That, that, I didn't even realize that, to be honest with you, when I was doing the show, but that was the producers, Joe Conley and Bob Mosier's, uh, that was what they, when they even started the show, 
They want it to show a child's view of the world. And so a lot of times when you see Leave it to Beaver, where I'm talking, or think, the way they shoot them, it looks like my view of it, of the world. And, you know, the kids don't understand a lot of things that adult thinks, well, well, of course you understand that. No, I don't. Why would I understand that? That's an adult thing. <laughs> wow. Are you still in touch with any of your cast mates? Um, you know, when you say in touch, it's probably like people you maybe went to school with or knew really well. You know, and sometimes it's not the best thing to be in touch with them because it means they've passed on. A lot of the people yeah. on the crew um, are not with us anymore. But, you know, Tony and, and Tony Dow and Rich Carell and Steve Talbot and some of the people like that, I'm still in touch with them. But, you know, L.A. is just such a huge place that we don't get together that much because we all live probably half hour, 45 minutes, two and three hours apart sometimes. Right. Yeah. Now, another interesting uh, side story that I, w I watched was... Oh, you did your um, homework well. I did. <laughs> was, uh, the character Larry Mordello, who was uh, B's, uh, one of B's uh, best friends. And, and there's a story about how, you know, he became sort of a popular character, but then he decided he didn't really want to do that anymore. Um, uh, how did that all happen? Well, it wasn't that. He started doing movies. And, I, and, you know, right now, it's been a long time. But he did several movies when because he was not a, a contract player. Like Tony Dow and myself were under, you know, a contract that we did 39 episodes. In fact, our contracts ran for six years. So, if, you know, and that meant that it didn't have to go for six years. It could go for one year. But for the next six years, if they wanted us, they could have. He was not. He was just coming in there. It was basically, it's called a bit player. So he didn't have a firm contract. So hmm. he, he, in fact, he, if you watch, I can't, I wish I could remember him now. It's been a long time since 58 and 59. <laughs> but you can see him in a lot of movies. Um, he did a lot of movies. And so, you know, the producers would call up his agent and they'd go, no, he's on a movie for the next four weeks. So there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, he was going to be in that he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. interesting. Now you got to work also with the two dads. The first dad uh, that was cast was Max Showalter. And then the other one who was ultimately the dad was Hugh Beaumont. Um, you know, obviously. But when you say that though, just so you know, he only did the uh, pilot. The pilot. That right. was all. That was all. I only really worked with him for three days. So when they, for some reason, they liked Hugh Beaumont a lot better. They liked Hugh Beaumont when he was came in for the original interview, but when we were shooting the pilot, he already had another project. Ah, and right. so they just said, okay. Well, and they went to this other guy, but they realized right away that who they really wanted, and then they got Hugh Beaumont, which. He's just such an interesting person because what he really was was a Methodist minister. Yes. Yeah, and he just did television and movies so he could support this very poor church down in, you know, the bad part of L.A. with a lot of people that maybe had a little too much to drink. And then he became very famous. And so he was just so nice. And I think that kind of came through that he was really a minister. Yeah. For wow. Sure. Wow. Yeah. So. It's over 60 years now that, that you've done the show. flies. What have you been doing for the last 60 years? Well, I've done a lot of things. I was a real estate agent. I was a multi-million dollar real estate agent, which honestly, I know that sounds like a lot of money, but here in LA, 
these houses are just so expensive. What, were you with Fred Sands or Mike Glickman or who were you with? I was with uh, Day Realty for a while. Oh, Day, okay, yeah, Day, yeah. Yeah, but it, it was fun and, you know, people, I didn't go after them as the beaver, so I, you know, pick up a phone. You'd have a day that you could go in and answer the phones with people calling in about a house they'd seen. And all of a sudden I'd say, yeah, well, come in and I'll show you some other ones. And all of a sudden they say, you look very familiar now. Did you go to this school? No. I, I said, well, I was on TV. Leave it to me for all in. They get all excited. So it was a lot of fun and I had a good time. Um, but I really liked acting better. And when I had a chance to do the new Leave it to Beaver, um, I got out of real estate and went back and did that for six years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then in the catering business you were in. Well, that's because I had so many people in the industry that I knew I'd always been a very good cook and somebody said, well, why don't you see if you can do some catering? Just happens maybe within 20 minutes of my house. There was a restaurant that closed, but it was a kind of a takeout restaurant. So they had a huge kitchen and nobody else wanted it because the reason the restaurant closed, there wasn't enough tables to really, um, you know, serve that many, many people. So I started doing studios. So we did, we, one time we were in the desert, we fed 250 people in the desert for about three days, which was a lot of work because wow. we had to carry it yeah. all the way into the middle of where they were off the road. Wow, that's good. Now, you also did a stint in the Air Force, too, right? I spent six years, first in the Air Force uh, and then in the National Guard because it was during the Vietnam War. And when they, the war kind of not subsided, but was coming to a, they didn't need all the extra people. So they sent me to the National Guard. But it was a fun thing. It was a good experience. I was very lucky because my dad was a vice principal, principal of superintendent of state schools. But he had a friend that was also a teacher and he was in the Marine Corps. And the Marine Corps for boys that were disadvantaged that they wanted to become Marines, they had a thing called Devil Pups. So Devil Pups was for kids that were in elementary, not elementary, high school. And you got to go to Camp Pendleton and be a Marine for three weeks. Oh, wow. So I went there for, when that was my summer vacation, I thought that was camp, going to the Marines and <laughs> getting up in the morning and running and scouting and just having a wonderful time. So, you know, my life has just been blessed. I have a lot of happy things that have happened to me all my life. And you didn't die in Vietnam like everybody uh, rumored. Well, you know, everybody saw me in, I, I was giving out Emmys and doing some things and all of a sudden that not disappeared, but I wasn't doing a series. And they said, well, if he's doing that, what happened? Oh, I saw him in uniform and I gave a, a an Emmy um, in, I forget what year it was, but anyway, during that time in uniform, everybody said, oh, he's in uniform. And then they didn't see me for a while. And they said, oh, and, you know, there were a lot of people that weren't very happy with that war. And they said, well, it's killing the, the youth of America. And Jerry Mathers died. And they went, oh, that's news. <laughs> Hi there, I'm John O'Hurley. During one of my spiritual journeys in the hinterlands of the Himalayas, I encountered a shaman who spoke only one word to me, manopods. That simple utterance has tormented me ever since until I found Manopod, podcasts for men over 50, chock full of wit, wisdom, sex, health, Sports, travel, and so much more. Give me a huzzah, and now my revelation is yours. That's so fast that. forward to today, menopause. That's what uh, we're all going through. We've gone through it. Do you think it's a real thing? 
What is it? It's explain to me exactly what it is so I can tell you whether it's real for me or not. Well, menopause is something that a man would go through, typically around 50, where there's a change of life, right? And women go through menopause in a different way. I understand that. Men start crying. Uh, they cry at the drop of a hat. You know, they... they well, Mike does. Too. Well, Mike, I Mike does. Uh, <laughs> Mike, I hate to tell you, I don't do that. <laughs> so what, else, what other symptoms might I have? Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, basically where, you know, you, you start to see that you have fewer years left than you had. And, uh, and so you start to question the relevance of your life, the direction of your life, what's ahead, what's your passion. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that goes on. One of the, one of the horrible side effects is that you see 60-year-old guys uh, divorcing their wives and dating, you know, 28-year-old girls. You know, I did cut- that, but my wife would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so those are, all, those are all kind of the things, but a lot of it is psychological in terms of trying to feel still important and relevant, realizing that, that your life is changing, your career's changing, you know, your body's changing. Um, and, uh, you know, we've found since we got this going over the last several years that there's a lot of guys that are like, oh, yeah, crap, that's happening to me. You know what? I've never really felt that way because I knew it was happening to me. I saw it happen to my, my father. And it, it, for me, was something that was kind of a relief. I didn't have to work as hard. I could do things that, you know, I couldn't do before. So every age I've ever been in was something that I learned something from, and I'm still very happy. <laughs> That's so great. That is so great. I mean, we, we look at, uh, you know, our, our aging bodies and growing hair out of places that we never grew hair out before. And or not growing hair. Or, and, um, and so, you know, it, we're kind of trying to take the humorous look at growing old and having fun with it as opposed to getting depressed about it. And so, you know, that's kind of the take that we are taking with menopause and, and introducing people from the past that are just still present and loving life and living life to their fullest. So that's why, you know, we, we knew that you were very active still out there and, and, you know, beating it up. Actually, you know? That's that's absolutely true. I mean, I do feel different than when I was doing Leave It to Beaver when I was eight or nine or 10. But, you know, I'm still doing things that I did in my 20s and 30s. I may have slowed down a little bit. I don't play as much football in the park anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that I do now that I didn't do, you know, a few years ago. Well, and again, that's why, you know, we've been interviewing some other people. Like you probably remember Grand Funk Railroad we yes. did an interview with Mark Farner and it's very similar where he had this early huge success and then, and then it, it sort of, uh, you know, began to dwindle away, but there, there's, we know this because there are certainly tragedies of child stars that we've read about and seen, but uh, there's a lot of people like you and Mark Farner that are like, okay, what's next? And, and just kind of keep moving on and finding new passions and new ideas. And that's what we're trying to convey to our audience is that when one door closes, another opens. And that seems to be the story of your life. It very definitely is. I mean, I did the old Leave it to Beaver, uh, the original show, 
came back and in the 80s did the new Leave it to Beaver and it was really nice. We got a lot of the same crew members back and as many people from the cast as we could. I mean, people that you wouldn't even know, stand-ins and people like that. So, mm. you know, I've had a very, very blessed life and I like to give back to people. So I do a lot of charity work, but it's something that uh, I really like is that you know, I can walk almost anywhere in the world. The only bad part is if I go to Japan, people come up and start talking to me in Japanese. Even if I speak in English, they say, that's not your voice because in Japan, a little girl dubs my voice. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and they call you something. Uh, the show's called something else too over there, right? Like Happy Kid Town or something? The Happy Boy. It's the Happy, the happy Boy, yeah. Boy and his family. But it's all over the world. I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you the n number of languages that people have come up and tried to talk to me and don't understand why all of a sudden I don't know their language. Yeah, that's hilarious. The, that now, the other thing about menopause.com is that we have, we have a charitable arm as well, where we, we uh, every celebrity that we interview or even on our own, charities that we find that we believe in, we feature them on our site. We have a, a, a division called Manacause. And so tell us a little bit about uh, your brush with diabetes and how you've been involved now in, in uh, sort of educating people about it. Well, when I was older, not when I was doing Leave it to Beaver, but as uh, when I, I got a lot older, I started doing businesses. And one of the businesses I did was a catering company. Well, I was doing studio catering. So, I mean, one time we fed 300 people out in the desert. But when you go and do catering, especially for a studio, it's not like just one meal. They want to say, we're going to hire you for 30, maybe 20, 30 days, and we want to see how many meals you have. Well, when you go there and you're feeding them, they say, why aren't you eating the food? <laughs> <laughs> so I started eating. I was, a lot of the recipes were my very own things that my mom and my grandmother had taught me. So I put on a lot of weight, but I looked around me, a lot of people were overweight, yeah. and I didn't think it was that big a deal. But I have a very good friend that's a doctor, and she told me, you know what, Jerry, for Christmas, I'm going to do you a, give you a, not a present. I'm going to let you come in for physical. I said, I feel great. She said, no, come on in. It's free. What are you going to do? I went in, and she said, how would you like to live another maybe 10, 5 years? And I said, well, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? I'd like to live a lot more than that. She said, well, you have diabetes and you're extremely overweight, you better do something very quickly or you're going to have a lot of problems. And that really hit me because I knew she was my friend. It wasn't just somebody telling me so that I'd have to go in to see her every day, uh, which I didn't every day. But So I looked around me and I said, I was lucky to have that person tell me that, but there's a lot of people that don't have that. I have a voice in the community that a lot of people would probably hopefully listen to, and maybe I can save a few of my fans. So mm. I started then telling people about diabetes, and if you're more than 20, 30 pounds overweight, you're a candidate. Yeah, well, that's great because it's such a common disease, especially in this, uh, in this country. My wife is an, uh, an endocrinologist, so she dealt with a lot of diabetic patients, and, and the key is, is getting them to, to be compliant, and it seems like you just – you just took it up and said, I'm done with this. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to get this under control. And that's, that's an important lesson, I think, for most people that do uh, suffer from this. Well, as I say, the person that did when I had a catering business, I was putting on so much weight. She said, Jerry, that's not good. I said, what do you mean? I'm having the life. This is the life. 
Um, but no, it wasn't. It was a, you know, a death sentence, really. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So tell us about your website. Um, that's how we kind of got in touch with you through the website. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's www.jerrymathersbeavermerch.com, but it's all really just so people know there are there is merchandise on it. You don't have to buy anything. But, um, you know, it's just something people were always asking me questions, writing me letters, and there was really no place I could get letters at. So um, it was just something that uh, a lot of people wanted to get in touch with me. Well, that's great. And your wife, Teresa, is involved in it too, right? Yeah, here, let, let me go. Oh, she says, no, no, no. She's sitting right here. That now, of course, she says, no, 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 no. <laughs> there she is. Hi, Teresa. Because we see, we see your name is at the bottom of the screen there, and we didn't want to call Jerry Teresa, so we thought we'd introduce you. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a great website, and we're excited for you to get that going. And um, we, we want to buy. We want to be members, and we want to buy stuff. So it's great. Well, there's the lady to talk to right there. Uh, she, all actually, right. She, she's a real angel, but she handles all that for me because, you know, I'm an actor, She's a businesswoman, so she is very, very good at it. A lot of fun things, baseball caps and all sorts of things that we, you know, people kept asking, could I, where can I get this? Well, there's no place to get it, so we made a place. Well, One of the that's things great. that's really popular on the site is that Jerry will personalize autograph photos. Photos, oh, yeah. So they can great. Any person that they choose. Because I used to only do that at autograph shows, and people are saying, well, you know, you only come to the big cities, and I live here, or whatever. When are you coming to my city? Well, gee, I really don't know. So it's just a way to connect with the fans, and, you know, that's that's what it's sure. all about, having your fans and connecting with them. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. And, and I noticed on the site that you had some events that, sadly, you had to cancel because of COVID. Yeah, um, a lot of things got canceled. Yeah. So what sort of things do you do? Do you go to these kind of fan events or are you, are you still going around like doing shows? What sort of things um, are you do? I don't really do that many shows um, just because it's a lot of work. Like when I was doing the new Leave it to Beaver, um, not the old one, but the new one, I mean, I was there at like seven in the morning and I found out what Barbara and Hugh, Hugh Beaumont and Barbara Billingsley did when we were doing the show. Cause if you work with kids, they have to, they can only work from eight to five. So what they do is all the scenes that you're in with the kids, they do the kids close-ups and long shots, and then they move on. And then the adults come back at the end of the day and you can work till like seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. So it, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So what, what are your goals for the next few years? What do you hope to accomplish? What do you want to do with your life? My life is absolutely perfect. I mean, pretty much I'm retired, but I'm the kind of retired person that I can go around. I can go to autograph shows. I can do a lot of things where I go out and meet people. People seem to be very happy to meet me. They want my autograph. It's a lot of fun. And I've been working since I was two years old. Yeah, That's when yeah, I started yeah. live TV. So I deserve a little break at the end instead of taking it from, you know, till I was 21 and started to work. No, I started at not 21, but two. Yeah. Yeah. You've earned it for sure. Yeah. And it, it's good. You know, as I say, it's, it's, there's so many nice people. I can't walk down a street uh, that's busy street without people saying, do I know you or I know you. 
So it, it's just something I'm very proud of. I'm glad it was such a good show, had such longevity. And I hear very, very few things that people say, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> you know, I didn't believe that show because everybody right. did some of the things the beaver did. Always. Yeah. Even my kids, you know, I was uh, telling them about this interview today and they, oh yeah, we know, we know that show. And I went, well, when did you watch that? Yeah, we were watching it on TV land and you know, those, those TV programs. now, but it, but you know, it's, right. it, I think, and I, I hate to say this cause I could be wrong. It's since 1957, it's never been off the air and it plays in like 43 languages. Now you gotta hmm. see me. If you ever see one in Japan, not only do I speak Japanese, I have a little girl's voice. Um, it's all over the world, and it's just incredible. That's great. Now, Theodore Cleaver probably had a favorite curse word, but Jerry Mathers may not. Is that true, or what's your favorite curse word? Darn. Darn? <laughs> or gosh, or what, what were some of the other words? Golly gee, or? Gee willikers. <laughs> I have a pretty much blessed life. I don't really have a lot of things that go wrong. I mean, yeah, you know, if I hit my uh, thumb with a, a hammer, something may come out, but it's usually ow. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think people would be able to process uh, Jerry Mathers the Beaver saying a curse word. I think it would just like fry a bunch of circuits if they saw that. You know, it's just something that I just never did. I mean, you know, growing up, it, it's nothing that ever really came up that I had to say a curse word. Some people, I think, just do it to gain, gain attention. I didn't need any more attention. Right. Yeah. Well, so in, in Wikipedia, they have these funny things about, you know, some of the language that you guys used on the show. Like, you got a beef with me? And, you know, some of those things, can you remember some of those that you guys used to say? And, and were the writers doing that on purpose to change well, it up? When you say, do I remember them? Pretty much not, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, things like uh, I, I, you need a hunk of food or something like that, maybe. Right. Hunk of junk. But, uh, <laughs> you know, people don't realize, they say, well, talk like the beaver. Well, I hate to tell you, but when I was talking like the beaver, that was a script. <laughs> Somebody else wrote it. So I don't really know what they mean by talk like the beaver. No, I'm not, you know, eight or 10 years old now. So I have a different uh, voice quality. And well, you don't sound the same. Well, I bet you don't sound the same as when you were 10. <laughs> did, did, do you know this? Do you have a history or the show has a history for the first toilet tank to ever be shown on television? And you know how hard that was because they first said they were the show was just so the people that haven't seen it don't know what we're talking about. The boys go to a carnival and win an alligator, and you used to be able to throw ping pong balls, and if it landed in a certain one, you would get a pet. Well, an alligator is not a pet, let me tell you. So they, the junior ward said, "Oh, you boys can't have a dog or a cat because you'll we won't take care of it. We'll end up having to do it." Da 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 da. So we sneak it in. And we keep it in the back of a toilet tank because where are you going to do with an alligator if you bring it home and your parents don't know about it? So we were the first show to show any part of the bathroom, especially a toilet, but they couldn't go down and show the bowl. They could only show the toilet tank. It's very strange. Isn't, it? isn't that weird? I mean, God, and today, you know, the, more than the toilet, I'm sure. But um, 
That that's so weird. And you had a lot of scenes in the bathroom after we that. Did, but but there, if you looked around, and, and especially like in the mirrors, you'll notice there was never a toilet in any of our bathrooms. I don't know where we went. Maybe down to the gas station down the street or something. But <laughs> it was just you know there were just a lot of different rules back then. I, I don't even know if the shows today have it or not because it's not anything I really check out. Mm. You know, one of the things that's that's really kind of amazing is. You know, I have grandkids now and everything, and uh, we FaceTime all the time. My, my kids video everything, like every minute of their lives. When we were younger, obviously, if, if your parents didn't have like a Super 8 or something, all you have are still pictures. You have six years of this time capsule, and granted, you were acting, but still it was you in motion, talking, uh, emoting, I mean, that is, that's a treasure, I think, for any person, for their kids to see, for their grandkids to see. I mean, that, that's, an amazing, uh, that's an amazing thing that you have there. Something that we didn't even know at the time. I mean, who would have thought it? Um, you know, people say, you know, you can go up and get up every morning and go watch yourself. Well, I know exactly what's going to happen. I don't watch myself that much. But it's, it's a great show. Kids still love it. The interesting part is it's an adult show. That's what they thought it was. Leave to Beaver was not supposed to be for kids, but kids are just, you know, love it too. So it, it really makes all the family members, this show a whole family can watch together and you're not afraid anything is going to be said or done. Right. Your kids are going right. to go, why didn't we do that? <laughs> do you still have any of the memorabilia? I mean, you guys were on lunch pails and Kellogg's box cereal and it, on everything. Did you save a lot of that? I have maybe, I have uh, a hat, you know, I have the green hat. That's an interesting story because the first day of the uh, interview for Leave it to Beaver, people don't realize that there were almost uh, 800 people on the interview. Now, an interview usually would be like 10, 15 people, but we didn't know it, but they were casting not only the Beaver, but Wally, Eddie, and all his friends. So we walk in there and there are people and kids and agents everywhere. So we were going, what kind of a show is this? How could they have that many people doing the same thing? Wow. That's, that's amazing. That is well, amazing. So, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to stay on afterwards uh, to have a little more discussion with you, but obviously this has been amazing. And I think our, uh, our audience is going to not only be thrilled, but my guess is there, uh, there's going to be quite a few that stampede to your website. And we're going to put a little card down there showing uh, what, what your URL is. And, uh, and we really appreciate you doing this. We know that you probably have to recount these stories multiple times. Uh, but for it, it, no, but it's always fun. It's like living your past. It, it's just such a compliment that people are even still interested in it. Yeah, and, and they are. And I think we're going to see, we're going to get an amazing response to this podcast. So, oh, yeah. again, we sure. want to thank you very much. But one, one last question. Oh, no. this, is this like Zayner? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, this, no, not really. It's just how do you want to be remembered? You know, just as an actor, as a child, and as an adult that made people happy. I don't think. There is very many people that could say, if you watch Leave it to Beaver, it, you walked away and you were sad because it's just a fun <laughs> show. It was something that I'm very proud of. There's not many people that can say they have a show that started in 1957 and is still running today all over the world. So it's just something I'm very, very proud of. 
Well, that's pretty cool. And you've made us very happy. I can tell you that right now. So thank, thank you, you very so much, much for, for doing this with us. And uh, stay tuned, stay on, because we do want to talk to you a little bit more. So thanks well, a lot, thank Jerry. You. Thanks, Jerry. Have a good one. Bye-bye, guys. Hello, I'm John O'Hurley. Just imagine, if you will, discovering your podcast, Shangri-La. Well, imagine no more Manopod podcasts from Manopause.com for men over 50. Podcasts about sex, sports, travel, entertainment, life, and so much more. Oh, yes, that enchanted podcast site you could only imagine is here now on your favorite podcast channels. Manopod podcasts from Manopause.com. Shangri-La, indeed.